Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Corbell Starks, aka Who That Nigga, and welcome to the Stark Effect Podcast Season 6. Saturday, 26, it's 9.32 p.m., ladies and gentlemen, and more importantly, I'm just coming home from work. I read this in the New York Post, ladies and gentlemen, and you might as well want to sit down and listen. Bronx dad who shielded kids in dealership shootout loses his job. The hero in the Bronx dad who is wounded as he shielded all three small children from gunfire at a Bronx car dealership this week lost his job because of the injury. According to the fundraising page that surpassed $100,000 on Friday, Anthony Jefferson visited the used car business on Boston Road in Eastchester around 7.30 p.m. Monday to look for a car to surprise the mother of his kids, Danica Jefferson, on her upcoming birthday. Instead of leaving with a car, Jefferson found himself in the midst of a shootout and was shot himself as he covered the children with his body to protect them from the bullets. Due to his injury, Anthony lost his job and has to have surgery to remove the bullet. Serena Wingate, a close friend of Jefferson, posted on a GoFundMe page that hit $122,084 on Friday afternoon. The page's goal was $224,100. This GoFundMe is to help the heroic dad with his medical bills and his kids with therapy. They are beyond traumatized. Anthony lost both of his jobs, one as a head painter at a maintenance company and another as a construction worker. Danica Jefferson told TMZ, declining to name the companies. I get it, folks. I know. I mean, more importantly, a shootout and he loses his job like that? Seriously? I mean, who's to blame? I mean, this is ridiculous. A man becomes a hero protecting the kids. But unfortunately, for some reason, the shit just gets worse and worse every single time. And, well, to be quite honest, like, I do feel bad for the guy. But let's be honest with ourselves. Shit gets crazy. You gotta understand that. But now, I'm gonna move it on along. And more importantly, it has to be done. Do a little sports. Which NFL players and coaches badly need a win in week number three? It's only two games, you say. There is still 87.5% of the season to go. And anything can happen. You remind yourself, your favorite team or quarterback may have played poorly through two games of the season, but the season is definitely not over, right? Technically, it's true, but it's not easy to rebound from a poor start to the season. Since 1990, only 30 of 247 teams who made the playoffs following an 0-2 start, the 1993 Cowboys, the 2001 Patriots, the 2007 Giants won the Super Bowl. All nine teams last year missed the playoffs, with only the Steelers getting 8-8. Eight and eight. The calendar hasn't even turned to October yet. Several coaches, quarterbacks, GMs feel a scorching heat under their seats as their seasons are on the verge of slipping away. Let's take a look at who badly need a win in week three to the critics off their backs. Lions head coach Matt Patricia and general manager Bob Quinn. The former Patriots were lucky to survive the offseason with a 9-22-1 record in Patricia's first two years and needed a hot start to the season. Instead, they got the opposite. The Lions blew a 17-point fourth-quarter lead and a loss to the Bears in week one and let an early 14-3 lead against the Packers devolve into a 42-21 loss. The Lions become the first team in NFL history to blow a double-digit lead in four straight games going back to 2019. 
Patricia had has had a rocky relationship with Detroit fans and media since taking the job in 2018, and in the 0-2 start has turned the situation ugly. After the Bears' loss, a reporter asked Patricia if his coaching style was the reason the Lions keep allowing four-quarter comebacks. Patricia shot back with a reminder that he was the defensive coordinator for Malcolm Butler Super Bowl interception. And he's not, well, I don't even want to know. The Lions have a pesky Cardinals team on the road on Sunday, then get a home date with the Saints before their bye. An 0-3 start would all but doom their playoff hopes. An 0-4 start would obliterate them, and which could mean bad news for Patricia and Quinn. The Eagles quarterback Carson Wentz. The Eagles have certainly suffered a number of injuries at the receiver and offensive line, and their defense has been getting lit up. But Wentz, expected to make a big jump in his fifth year as a starter, has been brutal through two games, suffering double-digit losses to Washington and the Rams. Wentz was sloppy, has been sloppy, throwing a league-high four interceptions and fumbling twice, and his slot and his stats are rock bottom. Wentz, 6.02 yards per attempt, ranked 32 out of 34 quarterbacks. His 58.8 completion percentage ranks 29th, and his 64.4 passer rating is 33rd. Eagles coach Doug Peterson defended Wentz this past week against the criticism that the quarterback is missing even the easy throws, let alone the tough ones. But the NFL, but the NFLR research Twitter account, an official NFL account, pointed out that NFL's next generation stats say that Wentz should have completed 67.7% of his passes this year, not 58.8, the second best biggest gap in the NFL between Dwayne Haskins. And Wentz should have had an 85.9 completion percentage on easy throws, but has only completed 82.2%. Someone from the Eagles must have gotten to NFL research because those tweets were deleted on Thursday. <laughs> the Eagles fortunately play in a terrible NFC East and still can turn around this season. But the seriously need a win over the Bengals on Sunday. The road games at the 49ers and Steelers on deck. And if Wentz doesn't step up his game soon, they're going to be cries for his job in Philadelphia. The Falcons, Dan Quinn, and general manager, Dimitrioff, Thomas Dimitrioff. What else is there say at this point that doesn't feel like piling on? Everyone knows that this is a win or else season for Quinn and possibly Dimitrioff. Yet it began to worst 0-2 possible, a blowout loss to the Seahawks and a humiliating loss to the Cowboys. Matt Ryan, has, Matt Ryan has $50 million in dead money on his contract next year, so he's not going anywhere. Quinn and likely Dimitrov have their jobs on their line this year, and they need a win over the Bears at home this week to get the season back on track. Texans coach Bill O'Brien and executive vice president of football operations Jack Easterby. O'Brien has been giving seven years to build his team into a consistent winner. After a trip to the divisional round last year, it is all supposed to come together in 2020 with Deshaun Watson entering his prime. But the Texans have been one of the NFL's most disappointing teams. Their schedule has been brutal, but they are barely competitive in double-digit losses to the Chiefs and the Ravens. Now the Texans have another tough game this week at Pittsburgh, and an 0-3 could start could squash the Texas' big plans. If they are taking a significant step back from 11-5 and 10-6 and and the last two years, especially after the controversial trade of DeAndre Hopkins this offseason, 
O'Brien used to be now in the second season could be in trouble. 49ers coach Kyle Shanahan. The 49ers are 1-1 one and, one and coming off a road win against the, the J-E-T-S. Sucks, sucks, sucks. But the Niners, especially Shanahan, need to keep their feet on the pedal this Sunday against the Giants. The NFC West may be the best division in football, with the other three teams sitting at 2-0. A loss to the Giants will put them significantly behind the ball in the division race. Against the Giants, Shanahan won't have his starting quarterback, star pass rusher, or potentially his star tight end. Shanahan already has two bad Super Bowl losses on his resume, and a failure to recapture last year's success is not going to quiet his critics. The Buccaneers, Coach Bruce Arenas, and quarterback Tom Brady. They're also 1-1 one and, one, and coming off a double-digit win against the Panthers, but the Bucs offense has struggled as Brady has thrown three interceptions and has struggled to click with his new receivers. And the Arians-Brady marriage may be a little more forced than we realize. With Arians already lobbing public criticism Brady's way and Brady not looking too thrilled with his surroundings during games, the duel could seriously use a win against Denver, where Brady is 4-7 all-time to wash away some of the negativity surrounding the team. Speaking of forced marriages in Tampa Bay, the addition of Rob Gronkowski hasn't gone to plan Either Gronk, who came out of retirement to join Brady and the Buccaneers, has just two catches for 11 yards and looks like he doesn't have his football legs back. This is not much bang from someone making $10 million this year. And for someone who's played in 73% of his team snaps, I came here to block, baby, Gronkowski equipped Friday. So four targets is four more than I thought I was going to get. Coach Arenas didn't apologize the past for week for Gronkowski's lack of production. We brought him in to just play tight end, and if this means no catches, it means no catches. Arians said we are not throwing the ball 50 times to tight ends. That's what we have receivers for. But the Buccaneers sure are paying their tight ends to be more than run blockers. The Bucks are spending more than $18 million in cap space on the position the most of any team in the league. OG Howard, former first round pick with 3.5 million cap number, has just five catches for 47 yards and a touchdown. Cameron Brait is making 4.25 million and has no stats and just 11 snaps through two games. Anthony Eclaire at 1.25 million is on injured reserve. Despite all the spending, Brady has only completed 15.2% of his passes to tight ends, 26 in the league. Signing Gronkowski may have been a nice gift for Brady, but Arians hasn't found much use for him yet. It's just two weeks in the season. Gronk said, I'm enjoying myself. I know what I signed up with for with football, so I know there's times where it's going to be a grind. And a grind as shall be. Two major trends that may not be connected but neither of which has fans complaining. Penalties are down and scoring is up. The NFL has seen 186 touchdowns and 1,611 points through two weeks, both setting records by significant margins. Without any preseason football, the previous highs were 174 touchdowns in 2018 and 1,556 points in 2012. It is certain possible that more points have been created by fewer penalties, though two weeks teams average 6.7 penalties per game, down from 8.1 for the 2019 season. Defensive penalties have actually increased slightly, 
But per team offense penalties are way down, as are special teams penalties. The Patriots impressively have not been flagged for a single offensive penalty. Most notably, offensive holding penalties have been cut nearly in half. But defense pass interference is up significantly, and illegal contact penalties have doubled. The NFL tinkers with the rules and points of the emphasis each year and may have finally hit on the right formula. Fewer points, fewer flags, and more points. Two quick notes before I go. Two quick notes on the run game. It feels a bit strange to praise Cam Newton in the Patriots' short yardage run game a week later after he suffered on a one-yard line and lost to the Seahawks. However, the Patriots are certainly much better in this area than the last two years when they had to turn to fullbacks because the running backs weren't picking up the tough yards. Though two weeks, the Patriots are 7-for-7 on third or fourth and short. Defined as having a few years to go, Newton is 4-for-4, Sony Michelle is 2-for-2 as a runner, and Rex Burkhead is 1-for-1. Newton is also 2-for-2 as a passer in these situations. Newton's stuff against the Seahawks came on the first down. I'm looking at the league-wide stats for runs of zero fewer yards. Saquon Barkley stood out. The Giants star tailback was stuffed on 47% of his runs, 9 of 19, this season before tearing his ACL in week two. General manager Dave Gettleman, or we like to call him the asshole who let Tom Coughlin leave, has widely panned for drafting Barkley at number two overall in 2018, and the critics have been proven right. As the Giants have a 9-25 record and Barkley is now hurt, Barkley is a great player, but a running back is only as good as the offensive line. And the Giants are dreadful. <laughs> no shit. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that is the Stark Effect Podcast Season 6. I want to say thank you for everybody for listening, even though I made a few reading errors. And uh, more importantly, I will definitely see you guys around and hear from you. More importantly, have a good night and do yourself a favor. Stay safe. And I hope you watch the election because we definitely got to get Trump the fuck out of there. Later.